the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, tons of books have been written about marriage and how to have a better marriage. But what about a marriage in light of the soon return of Christ? Well, there's an angle we'll look at next. How to be a better husband, how to be a better wife, how to be a better parent. How to be a better husband or wife if your spouse isn't a Christian, and the list goes on. There are so many books out there about how to be the best husband or wife you can be. But what about having a marriage in light of Christ's return? That's the angle we'll focus on over the next couple of programs. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Join us, won't you? The kind of Christian marriage to have while waiting for Christ's coming. That's next. Here's Pastor Phil. Turn, if you will, to 1 Peter. I was thinking, since I was catapulted into this series, about what we ought to be doing before Christ comes. And I thought, uh, it'd be nice if we would be happily married until he comes. And uh, I haven't spoken in, on the area of marriage for years since my last uh, marital fight. And uh, uh, so I thought, uh, let, let's look at it. And it's going to be a worst-case scenario. And what prompted me, uh, I'm speaking at the seminar on how to follow a parked truck. It came to me because Steve Mahorder said this to me. He said, I'd sure like for you to speak in this area. And I said, what's the issue? He said... How to follow a passive husband. I said, saved, unsaved. He said, any category. He said, we get more complaints and more uh, counseling situations that are coming to us that one of the number one problems in the home is that the women are complaining he's passive to spiritual things. He could excel on his job. He knows everything the Raiders and 49ers are doing, but he doesn't have a clue about God, the home, and what it ought to look like. And so, we go to 1 Peter, dealing with a first century problem, a very unique problem, that a woman winds up coming to faith in Christ without her husband being saved. And this did not happen in the ancient Near East, because the way it happened... Wherever the husband went spiritually, the rest of the family followed. The man made the religious choice. But what was happening is God was reaching in and saving women that had not saved the husband. Now, this created chaos. 1 Corinthians 7 said that unbeliever may not want to live with you as a believing wife. You're not hot enough. You're not fast enough. You're not, you're not like you used to be. I met you at a bar, and you don't act like a, a party girl anymore. You're too godly. The kissing has just lost the flavor. 
because you're now kissing godly lips and I don't smell any tequila. I, I want the old chick back. She said, well, I, I'm a Christian. Well, very common. I want a divorce. I'm not living with a Christian woman. And Paul said, if they want to depart, let them depart. A brother or sister is not bound to that marriage if that's what they, they want to do. They release you. And so this happened a lot. It, normally, normally, every Christian sister had a Christian husband. That was the norm. But Peter deals with an exceptional thing, dealing with a suffering church and a church being called to submit to fallible uh, sinful men. And let me give you the context. Look at uh, chapter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Be submitting to every God-instituted authority layer, uh, employer, employee, parent, children, the king, government, taxes. Submit, and what's the motive? For the Lord's sake. Do you see that? It didn't say submit because you have a perfect ruler. Submit because they just treat you so wonderful. Submit as unto the Lord. He's your motivation. Then he goes on and describes that in verse 18. Slaves, submit to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. You often hear this in the marriage thing. Well, I'll submit if he does what I want him to do. And here he's giving the illustration. Hey, you may be a slave. and You may have a good master. You may have a bad one. But your submission is as unto the Lord. They get the benefit of you fearing the Lord. They're not the source of your submission. They're not the source of it, nor the motive for it, but they get the benefit of it, right? Then he goes and tells us in verse 21, you've been called to live this way. And then he gives the example of all. Christ submitted to the Father's will. He couldn't talk the Father out of the cup. He couldn't talk him out of the cross. So he goes ahead and drinks it. He submits himself. He does not revile those who revile. He comes under in loving devotion to his Father and goes to the cross. And by so doing, he leads us to God through that. Now, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. I would take it back to verse 18 and verse 13. The last time he's used the word submission. Christ was just entered as an example. But it goes back, just as slaves are being told to submit to an authority just as I've told all the church to submit to every kind of authority, now I'm going to focus in on a home. And he's going to tell her at least four things to do in this marriage that uh, is not necessarily made in heaven. Um, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Now, we can camp there all day. Let's pull out the swords. But let's first of all agree, is the word submissive in your Bible? 
Before you reject it, find out what it means. Because we're almost afraid to even use the word in the church anymore, lest we be considered chauvinistic or, oh, there we go, there's the same old line, same verse. No, let's, let, let me ask you this. Let me, who wrote this? Uh, Cosmopolitan? Hugh Hefner? Is this God's template? I didn't hear any women. Oh, oh, okay. I was listening for feminine voices. I'm listening for ee. The men, we know this is God's word. Especially here. And pass the Bud Light, and I don't know Jesus, but you better submit. So you believe it already. If you got a husband that does not believe the word, he's habitually unbelieving, he's an unbeliever, submit. They may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry, and literally in clothes. Instead, it should be that of, the, of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah. Now notice how the submission is qualified. Who obeyed Abraham. Submission that results in obedience. And called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. All right. Now the women should amen this one. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I want to look at two things here. The behavior and beauty of a godly wife and the behavior of a godly husband. And uh, now the husband isn't told he's living with an unsaved woman. It's just how he ought to treat a woman, whether she's saved or not saved. And I think what he tells the woman in the worst case scenario, suppose you even have an unsaved husband, this is God the Father's beauty outline for you of the effective woman, the kind of woman he wants you to be in marriage. And we'll look at four things. He wants you to submit. He wants you to live the life, not always use your lip. He wants you to have internal beauty, not just external beauty. Uh, He wants you to trust and not be afraid. And he gives an example of Sarah. Submission. What does submission mean? Literally, it means to rank yourself under another. The softer definitions have been, uh, be willing to be led. I like that. Be willing to be led. Uh, Let me give you some things that Wayne Grudem says it's not. And then some things he says it is. And I'll move quickly so we can get the concepts. It does not mean submitting, does not putting your husband in the place of Christ. You you don't give any man that kind of loyalty. Not the king, 
not your husband. I know it's his castle and he thinks he's the king, but you serve a greater king. So submission is not abdicating. Everything he says is infallible. No, I have Christ. He may ask you to do something that your real love of your life would not want you to do. And we have biblical basis. I don't obey a man that tells me to do something that's sin. Don't have to do that. Two, it does not mean giving up independent thought. You notice that Peter addresses her, not the man. He could have said, by the way, your husbands, go tell her how she ought to act. No, he's addressing the women in the church. This epistle was read. He figures she can get it. I could talk to her. She's got the spirit. She's got the word. I'm talking to her. So she will come to this decision on her own. It will not be forced upon her by her husband. Hear me, men. It's not your job to make her submit. Do not waste any time trying to make your wife submit. That is not your job. You're not big enough, strong enough, and she'll learn to hate you. God alone creates a submissive spirit. And it's not your job to make him a leader. Only God can get the parked truck to get into drive. Three, I feel tension mounting. It does not mean she should give up her efforts to please or influence her husband. It doesn't mean she's passive. She does try to influence him, and he's going to tell her how to do it. It does not mean that the woman should give in to every demand of the husband. If he asks her to do that, which is against God's word, her conscience, she doesn't have to do it. And there's lots of examples of this. The Hebrew midwives would not kill the babies because they feared God more than the command of Pharaoh. Daniel didn't stop praying five times a day because Darius didn't determine whether he prayed or not. He broke governmental law to a greater law, the law of God. Esther did the same thing. The three Hebrew children, we won't bow. If we have to burn, we'll burn, but we won't bow. So there's times you hear Peter say, we can't withhold preaching, for it's better to please God than men. And in a marriage, Christian woman, you're not asked to do what an unsaved man tells you if it's against your heavenly father. You just got that liberty. Uh, She's not told to submit because of lesser intelligence. Because we know Abigail lived with a fool. And many a woman's married to a fool. So it's not lesser intelligence. Uh, and it does not mean being afraid. I'm submitting because I'm scared to death of you. No, he's going to go on and say, you must do this without the fear of the husband. You love God. You walk in the fear of God, not the husband. So it's not a terrifying submission. If he's abusive, if he's beating you up and the kids, by all means, get out of there. Call some of our deacons. We'll help pick you up and get you away from abusive situations. This is with normalcy. He just didn't like your faith. Uh, And it is not inconsistent with equality in Christ because he calls her a fellow heir with Christ and yet tells her, though you're co-heirs with Christ, the role of submission is still a part of the biblical function he wants you to carry out, even though you both are equal in Christ. Um, What submission means? An inner quality of gentleness that's willing to be led. Some of you, no one could lead. 
you're just, you're just unteachable, baby. You can't lead you. It's like I asked my sister one time, why didn't you marry? I couldn't find a man that I thought had the leadership skill to lead me. And I said, well, you'd have to marry Patton. Older sis of all of us kids, kind of the matriarch of our family. Don't push on her, I'm telling you. Rich is trying to teach me how to be angry and not sin. He never had to teach her that. She'd be in your face like that. Ain't afraid of you, mister. Well, okay. Not good fighting one strong enough. Good night. Who would that be? And some of you, what, what kind of leadership? You're struggling with following Christ. So no wonder you can't find the kind of leadership you'll submit to. Um, It means uh, obedience. The kind of submission that results in obedience. Do you ever hear of this? Ain't no man going to tell me what to do. I got an amen. Thank you, sister. You're being honest. You're being honest. It involves acknowledging a superior authority to your own. Now, let me tell you how evangelical feminists have got out of this. They run to Ephesians 5.21, let us be all submitting one to another. See there, it's mutual. You've got to submit as much as I do. But you know what? Is that true? As he develops the list, the parents are never said to submit to the children. The master's never told to submit to the slaves. No, no. Uh, It implies superior authority divinely constituted. So she's willing to obey and come under. Because this word to submit is used this way. Jesus submitted to the authority of his parents. Was that mutual? No. They were the authority he ranked himself under. Uh, Demons were subject to Christ. There was no mutual submission. Citizens are subject to governing authorities, Romans 13. The universe is subject to Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 27, Ephesians 1, 22. Unseen spiritual powers are subject to Christ. It's a strong word. Submission, I rank myself under, out of submission and fear of God, you reap the benefit that I'm easy to work with because I come under Pastor Rich one time told me the test of submission is when those in authority over you tell you to do something you don't want to do. See, everybody's submissive until you tell them to do something they don't want to do. That's the test. That's the test. Where you rank yourself under authority. So, he said, uh, be submissive to your husband. And if you want to qualify, just go back to Christ. Slaves. And verse 13... What kind of submission is that? It's the same kind. Then he tells her, your most powerful weapon with this husband will not be your mouth, it will be your behavior. If any of them don't believe the word, they may be won over by your continual putting tracks under their pillow and witnessing every night to them at the table and quoting verses. No, no, you will, they'll be making an appointment for a psychiatrist. You will drive them batty. It's not the mouth. He's saying a changed life. He married you, obviously, when you weren't saved. Well, I'm assuming that. 
let me tell you, the field of Christian dating is a minefield. It's loaded with problems. Uh, this culture, they didn't date. There's no Bible for how to date. I have people come to me that are maybe in their 40s and say, you know, I got saved, my first husband left, and now I want to date. How do Christians date? I don't know. Somebody got a verse? Don't quote Song of Solomon. They weren't dating. Can you kiss? Can you hold hands? Can you experience a rush? I must be in love. No, you ate too much. There's no... And that's our young people today. Why all of these uh, uh, pregnancies and all these teenage... Because the Christian is, said, is told you can't have sex till marriage. And we're in a culture that believes in sex without marriage. So the kids aren't getting married. They're shacking up or they're having sex every weekend. And economics tell them I can't afford a marriage, but I sure ain't going to do without sex. So they want the sex but I don't want the obligation of a marriage because economically I may not have the means to support this person. And the idea of dating unbelievers, I think of Donna told me one time, said, nobody taught me about Christian dating insofar as you only date believers. And you want to be sure they're double believers when you're dating them. For sure kind of believers. Not, baby, I love Jesus until I get you in bed. No, Jesus is in charge of me. He's Lord. I take him serious. Okay. So, you didn't have in the New Testament people dating unbelief. Oh, you're, hey, I'll see you after you go up to the temple of Aphrodite. Let's meet over at Starbucks. And after I get married, I'll lead you to Jesus. Oh, what? Get out of here. You'll quit going to church. You'll be the one shut down. So he's talking here, your behavior in the marriage is the most powerful evangelism tool you have. Let them see how the gospel's changed you and your attitude, everything about you. Now, he goes on to say, uh, emphasize and focus on internal beauty, not external beauty. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry, and fine clothes. Now, he's not forbidding this, especially if you take out the NIV, put fine clothes. Like I said, he just said clothing. If you took it literally, he says, and don't wear any clothes. <laughs> so, isn't that, so you can fix your hair. I prefer you would. <laughs> uh, you can wear gold jewelry. And you can wear clothing. It's a... It's a comparative list. The, the natural man can do this. Women know how to dress without God. They may not know how to dress modestly. We don't want a bunch of cleavage on exposure in church because we're supposed to keep our mind on God. So a lot of young converts have to learn what to cover and what to expose. Your ankles have never caused us to lust. You know, and some men need to learn how. To dress. 
We're sick of looking at that gold chain. We know you're in midlife crises. You know, come on. Let, let's learn how to dress here. Cut the hair. Man, it's gross. Come on. When we come to church, we're not on expose, right? And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, Well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.